This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. Benedict XVI passed away about two months ago, and of course that news, as you will recall, really upended things in the church, caused pretty much everything in the church to go on hold while the Vatican had its very muted funeral for the now late pontiff. And we had all sorts of horrible things happen in the aftermath. Cardinal Supich recently used Benedict XVI to try to sell you, the layperson, on his rather insane heterodox programs in his own diocese and on, and on the things that Francis is doing to the church more broadly. And we saw variations on that happen across the church as well with learned laymen doing the same things, invoking Benedict's name to do things that Benedict would have been opposed to. Well, now, two months after the passing of Benedict, we have Cardinal Robert Seurat has written a sort of eulogy for Benedict XVI, and I thought I'd give that to you here today. I think it's an appropriate sort of send-off for him that if you are a lover of Benedict XVI's legacy, then you will find this quite enjoyable. And if you're on the fence about him, this may help with how you see him. Cardinal Seurat is, as usual, very eloquent here. And his words are, well, they're, they're very much a send-off for Benedict and remind you that he was probably the best mind in the post-conciliar era in the church. So here are the words of Cardinal Robert Seurat on the legacy of Benedict XVI. The pontificate of Benedict XVI will remain in history because he was a learned and refined theologian, certainly the most significant of the 20th century, and has contributed to a more serious, and I would say, definitive reflection on the liturgy and its consequences in the life of the Church. As protagonist and supreme interpreter of the Second Vatican Council and its documents, he matured the profound conviction that the liturgy is the summit and source of ecclesial life. This conviction grew more and more in the years of his maturity and of his continuous theological reflection. He wrote that the destiny of the church depends on the liturgy. Whether the church will be or will not be depends on the liturgy. That is, its significant presence will depend on how the church will have lived this vital relationship with its Lex Ordandi. As a theologian, his powerful reflection on the Lex Credendi was intertwined with a no less significant reflection on the Lex Ordandi of the church. As pastor of the Universal Church, he turned his pontificate into a continuous liturgy, both in the liturgical celebrations as such, and also in the various moments in which his person, with words and gestures, was called to announce and witness to the faith of the Church. His magisterium has been perme permeated by the liturgy celebrated and explained, like the ancient fathers of the Church, who turned each of their celebrations into a living mystagogy to initiate and form countless generations of Christians to the faith. Benedict XVI understood the inseparability of faith believed, prayed and lived, and tried to make us understand that the more the faith is explained in a meaningful way, in line with the perennial tradition of the Church, the more correctly and strongly it is believed in. As pontiff and universal pastor of the Church, Benedict XVI reminded the Church of the beauty, centrality, and sacredness of the liturgy in Christian life, especially that of priests, a centrality that is presence, that speaks of the other, of the true protagonist of the liturgical action, that speaks of the true center of the church and of her liturgy, which is Christ, God incarnate, God present in our midst, not in man or in the community. Benedict XVI approached the liturgy with awe, 
deep respect and a sense of the sacred, making us perceive that his was a real and true encounter with God, with the person of Christ. Those who participated in his celebrations perceived this experience that he lived and was able to transmit also to thousands of people present in St. Peter's Basilica or in the squares, stadiums, or parks. When he celebrated, he made people understand that the encounter was not at that moment with his person, but with the person of Christ. This is why all his liturgies, but also every extra liturgical moment, also expressed this encounter and this mentality of Pauline memory. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servant through Jesus. See the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 5. We can serenely affirm that his evangelizing work has been profoundly theocentric, Christocentric, and pneumocentric. For Benedict XVI, the liturgy is also a participation in the prayer of Christ, addressed to the Father and the Holy Spirit. In it, every Christian prayer finds its fulfillment. The liturgy realizes and manifests the Church as a visible sign of the communion of God and mankind through Christ. Christ at the center of her apostolic action. Christ at the center of the liturgy. Christ at the center of life. The request that the crucifix be placed at the center of the altars, especially those verses populum, was meant to highlight this essential centrality for the life of the Church and for the worship of the Lord. It is the centrality that, for Benedict XVI, belongs to our essence as Christians insofar as we are baptized. For me, to live is Christ, says St. Paul, because at the origin of the act of faith there is an encounter, adherence to a person, that of Christ. Benedict XVI warned us about the risk of forgetting this fundamental and operative centrality of the primacy of God when we celebrate as if he did not exist, as if he were not there, when we celebrate ourselves or the community or the celebrant. The experience of these post-conciliar years has highlighted the damage of a self-referential church and the liturgy. On the contrary, the cultural and the cultural dimension of the Catholic liturgy is so deeply centralized and oriented, dimensions that must be urgently recovered. Indeed, I think that this will be an urgent issue to be faced and resolved if we do not want to fall into insignificance and further accelerate the desert desertification of our churches and our liturgies, already abandoned, especially by young people. Benedict XVI has been able, in a surprising way, to attract young people, making them understand the centrality of Christ, his divine presence in the liturgy. It was very beautiful to see so many young people in prayerful silence during the Eucharistic adoration of World Youth Day and the young priests who admired the liturgy of Benedict XVI and who gave numerous and beautiful testimonies at his funerals. Benedict XVI was attractive because he seemed to want to disappear in the liturgy so that Jesus Christ alone could be seen, speaking with gentleness and meekness without hurting anyone, but giving the rations of believing and inviting to evangelical conversion without moralism of convenience, putting Christ at the center. He was a person who allowed himself to be attracted, involved, and transformed by Christ, who is present and gathers us together in the liturgy. It is he who calls us together in the liturgy. It is in him that we are united, and it is through him that we go into the world to announce to our brothers and sisters the good news of the kingdom of God and to help the needs of mankind. Christ has united us in love, says a song. For Benedict XVI, this spiritual dimension has been daily in his life as a Christian, a theologian, and a pastor. He has recovered the dimension of sacredness in the liturgy, opposing a certain sociology and theology that would like to affirm definitively that for postmodern man there is no longer sacred space or sacredness because everything is sacred. But when everything is sacred, nothing is sacred anymore. And this thought has further opened the doors to relativism and nihilism today which destroy man and society from within. The men and women for our time, especially the young, 
need to be reinitiated into the sacredness of worship and life. They need it. It is a deep nostalgia, sometimes unexpressed. Benedict XVI had initiated this work with great success. What some adults criticized, young people, especially priests, religious, and seminarians, admired. As with John Paul II, we can say that with Benedict XVI, an unexpected generation of Papa boys has been born. He has led young people into complex areas of reflection with the simplicity typical of the great, and I am convinced that his legacy will be great for the church's future. Indeed, it will grow. Today, those among the younger generation will feel deeply and concisely at home in the church, owe it to John Paul II and to Pope Benedict XVI, who will be ever more present now that he is visibly no longer with us. And that was Cardinal Robert Seurat's eulogy of Benedict XVI, marking him as sort of a force against the nihilism of the culture of the modern world. And in a way, he's right. Regardless of whatever else you may think of Benedict XVI, Benedict did firmly stand against the nihilism and the cultural rot going on in the world, even when during his papacy. Things are so much worse now that he is a symbol for our time. And in a way, I wonder if that is why the modernists are so bent on turning him, twisting him into a symbol for their program, to essentially use him to baptize their evil program in the church. Perhaps not. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Let me know what you thought of all this in the comments, please. If you would like to read this for yourself, you can do so at returntotradition.org. To my knowledge, it will be the only English language translation available for you. So let me know what you thought of all this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. As does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.